0: Welcome to the Subtle Cane Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith, broadcasting from the aorta of America, beautiful festival city, Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where we pump out reason and pierce through the propaganda. Here we go. Today is Sunday, August 7th, 2022, and I'm back in the saddle, simultaneously evading COVID and the monkeypox, here in the divided states of America where up is down, left is right, men are women, and the emperor has... no mind? I hope this episode finds you well. This is episode 32 of the Subtle Cane Podcast. Do I want to know? It means a lot to me that wherever you are... And whoever you are, that you've taken some of the limited time we're allowed on this earth to ponder some of the questions about meaning and reality with me. It's no small thing to be granted that opportunity, and I want to formally recognize the importance of your contribution. I was speaking to Pete G. the other day, and for those of you who aren't uh, regular listeners of the show, Pete G. is my uncle and an occasional guest host here on the show. But I was speaking to Pete G. the other day, and we were discussing the general question of how many people, at least here in the developed world, take time to sit and think about, and I mean really sit and think about, the moral and ethical implications of the society we live in. About the moral and ethical choices we make in our own personal lives. You know, because of the pace of life and the rat wheel of chasing the next paycheck or trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. I hope that doesn't come across as condescending in any way. It's not my intention. I'm not speaking from a position of moral authority here, just another flawed fallen man. It's just something that I think about. It's something that I think about. There's so many things vying for our time and attention in any given day. I mean, just trying to sit down and do this show, honestly, it, it can be really a challenge from a practical standpoint at times. We're distracted, aren't we? And that's not to say that we're all distracted by things that aren't important either. The rising cost of living, the pressures of family life, the need to spend quality time with our loved ones. There's a, there's a lot of balls to juggle just to stay alive and actively participate in the world, aren't there? I recognize that, and so again, thank you for your time. If we're being honest, which is certainly a, a noble goal, much of our quote-unquote free time is spent doing things that are not necessarily helpful or beneficial personally or communally. I think that's a fair assessment. I think it's fair to say. I've really been trying to make a conscious decision in my own life to devote more time to reading than watching movies or video streaming services, spending more time in nature, even if it means on my porch with my dogs or in the backyard with my chickens instead of on the couch. And honestly, I've been slacking um, on any kind of community outreach. Uh, Only so many seconds in the day. I have avoided social media, specifically for the purpose of removing the temptation to spend countless hours scrolling through feeds and allowing algorithms written by ideologues and advertisers to pummel my psyche, which is the actual outcome of social media when used as entertainment. And I've been working really, really hard to try and be more attentive and, and present just for my wife, which I'm generally not always great at. Now, why do I mention all these things that I'm doing? Is it a narcissistic need to let the world know about me? I hope not. I don't think so. I- I'm trying to put my money where my mouth is, and I'm trying to be a good example for my kids, and trying not to be a hypocrite as much as that is humanly possible. Because we're all hypocrites, to some some extent or another. We're all selfish, and we're all fallen. The degree to which we allow vice or virtue to rule over our lives is relational to the quality of the content we allow into our minds. And the degree to which we have negative outcomes in our lives is largely a function of how we conduct ourselves in our daily activities. That is not to say that we deserve the bad things that happen to us. It rains on the just and the unjust alike. It's just to say that we have likely much more to do with the majority of the things that go wrong in our lives than we're generally comfortable admitting to. I don't claim to have any right to judge where you are or what you're doing or or not doing. That's certainly not my place. We all have to look into our own mirrors, and when our heads hit the pillow at night, we all know what keeps our own thoughts racing. My reason for bringing this to attention is purely meant to inspire introspection in you, but also in myself. It's honest introspection that allows us to avoid some of the biggest pitfalls in life. One of the most dangerous things we can do as humans is to adopt a position of self-righteousness. The moment we deny our own potential for evil or even the existence of such a thing as evil, that is the very moment we become most susceptible to becoming ideologically landlocked in a way that starts to dehumanize our fellow sojourners in this mortal life. Alexander Solzhenitsyn said it this way in the Gulag Archipelago, quote, the battle line between good and evil runs through the heart of every man. How eloquently and efficiently stated is that? In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 9, it says, quote, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And that doesn't leave a lot of room for creative interpretation, does it? And the famous psychoanalyst Carl Jung said this Knowing your own darkness is the best method for dealing with the darknesses of other people. Once we've adopted a position of superiority over others, we have essentially opened the door to hell. I've devoted a significant amount of time here just on this podcast talking about various people and their actions with which I disagree, in some cases vehemently. One might be tempted to say that I've sat in judgment of others. Perhaps I've crossed that line at times, and if I've done so, it was not justified, it was wrong. Of course, there's nothing wrong with questioning motives agendas or ideologies as such, or even pointing out actions inconsistent with one's moral framework. The problem comes from believing that others' lives have less intrinsic value because they disagree with me or I with them. And I may have been guilty of that at times. Sometimes I have a certain disdain for people carrying out actions that I find morally reprehensible or ethically compromised. And maybe that seems like splitting hairs, but I don't think so. I do think it's a very important distinction to make. I argue that it's a distinction that can't be made from a purely mechanistic and utilitarian perspective, which is why I spend so much time talking about transcendent morality and meaning. And you may ask me, why can't it be made from a purely mechanistic utilitarian perspective? Well, consider this. Mechanistic utilitarianism removes all the mystery and wonder from life. It's a cold calculation of all things, and all things, including people, then become only the sum of their parts, and therefore nothing is really sacred. If you remove the mystery from life, if you remove the humility that it takes to admit that the source of truth, with a capital T, lies outside the domain of the rational scientific appraisal of a reality, then you essentially have made man the penultimate source of truth. That's problematic. And then it allows for a class of people to believe that because they believe they have more knowledge about the mechanisms of the universe, that they are the rightful judges of what is right and what is just. Once you've opened that door, It only ever follows, it only ever follows that the unwashed masses are eventually disposable. To say it another way, it facilitates an ideology that finds it acceptable to sacrifice individuality for the sake of the collective. And again, here's a point where one may be tempted to make a counter-argument, that sacrificing one's individuality for the good of others is a noble thing, maybe the best thing. Didn't Jesus make the ultimate sacrifice in Christianity? Aren't all our greatest stories stories about someone making the ultimate sacrifice? Iron Man died for the people in the Avengers. Tolkien's iconic hobbit Frodo bore the heavy weight of the ring. And King Leonidas died with his 300 Spartans at the Battle of Thermopylae. The examples are endless and span the known cultures. So, what's the problem? The problem lies in the distinction between an individual choosing to sacrifice themselves for others and a group of others making the decision that an individual should sacrifice themselves for the collective. It's a pretty massive distinction to make, to be sure. Greater love has no man than to lay down his life for another. Greater spite has no man than to lay down someone else's life for themselves. Before we move on, I I wanted to just take a second to say that the Subtle Cane podcast is a value-for-value operation you will notice that there's no ads. No ads. That's because I don't want to sell the valuable time you've offered me to the highest bidder. I thank you all for your time as I open this episode, and it seems like folly to then turn around and sell it to advertising with its manipulative practices. Now, not accepting any advertising money means that this whole production relies on the willingness of you all to assist me in this endeavor. Now, you can give a one-time contribution of any amount, and it will be gratefully accepted and used to produce more content. Time, talent, or treasure are all welcome here. I recently received a $50 contribution from Dave and Sarah in Howard's Grove, and I send my heartfelt appreciation to you both. Much love. My producer in Houston has not only been a constant source of encouragement uh, and assistance with editing, Uh, But she's also now made an introduction to a very interesting couple who I believe you will be hearing from in the very near future in an upcoming interview. If you are an artist or a musician, please consider sending me some material for the show. If you haven't already, please consider rating and reviewing the show on whatever platform you listen on. It really, really helps. And share the show with family and friends as you feel led. Now back to the issue of sacrificing by choice or by coercion. Enter the propagandists and media, the bankers, the ideologues, the technocrats, the democrats, the republicans, the house of commons and the house of lords, the pharmaceutical industry, the cultists, and everyone in between that would try and convince you that what they're selling is worth laying down your life for, or at the very least, your freedom and autonomy. As a case study, let's take the ritualistic nature of the mitigation measures we endured due to COVID. It was drilled into the minds of the public that they needed to be good citizens and comply with the onslaught of baffling restrictions and pseudoscientific drivel so that we could unite against the invisible enemy. I remember going to the store and having to stand in a corral made of caution tape just to go buy a gallon of milk while wearing a surgical mask outside of the store. I remember looking around and honestly feeling quite foolish. And I also remember seeing the fear in some eyes and the frustration in others as we shuffled along six feet apart, like somehow we had created a a magical ward that would stave off the demons in the air. I'm quite convinced there would have been a stampede to buy leeches had the news models informed us the experts suggested we wear those in lieu of masks. Propagandists of every flavor use deception to take advantage of the willingness of good people to sacrifice for others in order to achieve their goals. It's an example of why utilitarian ethics are so deeply flawed. Utilitarianism, just to elaborate, is an ethical framework that proposes the most ethical thing to do is the thing that creates the best outcome for the most people, despite the outcomes for the individual. It's our old enemy, the greater good. That's right, the ever-loving greater good. And my animosity is not toward the concept of sacrifice for others. It's reserved for the kind of sacrifice that is demanded by the others for themselves. It's the foundation of totalitarianism, and it is anti-human, in that it does not see each individual personality as a unique and intrinsically valuable entity. We are each separate minds. I did not say that we each have our own minds. We are each a separate mind, a separate soul, just as we are all separate bodies. That is not to say that we are not all interconnected through relationships and what I do affects others. Yes, who I am affects how I treat others. Unfortunately, we all too often allow others to tell us who we are. What propagandists are really good at, is making people believe that the sacrifices that they are peddling actually serve the purposes that they are proposing. When in truth, they are only benefiting themselves, regardless of the perpetual virtual signaling that we see all around us. And of course, we have to have a balanced view of all this. Whenever I get frustrated with the people around me that I believe are allowing the various opportunists in the world to take advantage of them, I have to remind myself that I'm no better, no better. I'm no more savvy than they are, and it may very well be that I lack some level of communal responsibility that they are displaying. And it's important to keep this in mind. Currently, we see the woke mob out there screeching on the sidewalks with blue hair and poster boards, and we think, my goodness, are you all right? And the answer is probably a resounding no. We may wonder what's wrong with them, and the nonsense we hear coming from their bullhorns may cause us to have a little bit of an emotional reaction that can be unproductive, if not cathartic. Wouldn't the correct response be more like a sense of sadness and sympathy? The mobs and the masses are blinded by their need for an object to project all their anxiety and aggression toward. Mass Formation Mass formation, as outlined by Professor Matthias Desmond, is not something that is just confined to the COVID narrative. Once a mass has formed in society, it will be in constant need of a new object to project their anxiety, aggressiveness, and fear onto. They need a scapegoat. Whether it's COVID, monkeypox, trans rights, or environmentalism, we need to be compassionate, willing to listen, and willing to consider that people don't generally act out of malevolence. I believe that most people are really trying to aim for what they believe is best. Desmond has made this point brilliantly in his interviews and writing. I just finished his book, The Psychology of Totalitarianism, and I have to tell you, if you're looking for a book that comprehensively and deftly describes what we're currently seeing in the cultures around us, you need look no further. And of course, there are many contemporary and historical authors and thinkers that have paved the way, but I really can't stress how much I enjoyed this book. There's a link in the show notes to where to get it. So let's go back to the beginning of this talk. I referred to some quotes from various authors on the idea that we must be willing to face our own capacity for evil in order to retain the humility it takes to recognize the humanity in others with whom we disagree. We then considered the difference between someone choosing to sacrifice their own needs and comfort for the needs and comfort of others and having others either force or coerce an individual to give up their needs or comfort for the needs and comfort of the collective. It can be very challenging to choose to see the mob or the mass as a collection of individuals who each individually need empathy and grace rather than as a single united force that is working against us and effectively causing us to become what we proclaim to reject another mass. It takes vigilance to avoid being pulled into a mob mentality, no matter who we are or what we believe. We are, as I've said before, prone to tribalistic thinking. We have to remain humble and recognize our own vulnerabilities and faults, so that we don't look outside of ourselves to find objects to project our own anxieties and aggression toward. We all want to be able to point our finger at someone or something else when we fall short of our own expectations for ourselves myself included. And we all want to believe that we are the ones who are right and have it all figured out. But without the humility to admit our failings, we will be much more likely to find excuses to inflict our will on others. In the same vein, I end with this quote from the author G.K. Chesterton. Quote, Men do not differ much about what things they will call evils. They differ enormously about what evils they will call excusable. For all you listening, you are valued, you are loved, and you are worthy. God bless, and good night.